Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby-related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Deb Flaschenberg, and I'm your host of Yoga Birth Babies. And today we're going to talk about does a cesarean birth save your vagina and other myths that are busted about your pelvic floor. I'm so happy that the pelvic floor is finally getting its moment in the light, that people are talking all about the pelvic floor. But some of the ideas, some of the things that we're doing to one's vagina may not be the best choice. So to dive deeper into this conversation, I have Janelle Howell. Let me tell you a little bit about Janelle. Janelle Howell is a doctor of physical therapy who gained her board-certified specialist training from Loyola University. She currently practices as a pelvic floor physical therapist at Northwestern Hospital in Chicago, Illinois, treating conditions commonly overlooked like urinary incontinence, painful sex, and constipation. On Instagram and TikTok, she is known as the Vagina Rehab Doctor, where she is seeking to teach you everything about your vagina that your mama didn't. Her goal is to build a radical culture of, of vaginal health through quality education. And she absolutely helps us have that idea about quality education and vaginal health in our conversation. I am so excited for you to hear everything she has to say. Before we get to that, I want to remind you to head over to our website, prenatalyogacenter.com and download our free guide, five simple solutions to the most common pregnancy pains. And even though it says pregnancy, it can apply to postpartum because I know the postpartum body needs some love too. So grab that. So on days that you can't make it to class, you can still take care of your body. It will also help your mind. And then also, because I love having those that listen to the podcast pop into class, I want to give a special discount to our podcast listeners. YBB10 will give you $10 off our packages, our A-class card or a monthly unlimited. So you can grab that, get more yoga for a little less. We have also have an on-demand library that we're building. We have, I think at this point, like six different on-demand workshops that you can take, including some yoga classes, and we are continuously building it. So I know that even though we offer online classes every day and we have workshops, you can't always do it on our schedule. So I want you to be able to take classes on your schedule. So you can check that out also on our website, prenatalyogacenter.com. All right, the last thing is 
want to mention is we are finishing off our teacher training for this part of the year. My brain thinks in school year, so we're almost done with the school year, almost done with our teacher training, our prenatal teacher training. This summer, we're going to have an online postnatal teacher training. But then again, we start back up with some in-person and some online teacher training September 2022. So if you want to take a very deep dive into a very thorough teacher training for learning how to teach prenatal and postnatal yoga, also check that out on our website, prenatalyogacenter.com. And then the last thing I just want to say is thank you. Thank you for continuously showing up and listening to the podcast. Thank you for continuously showing up and supporting our classes. It means a lot to me, and I'm just so thrilled that you are a part of our community. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, please listen to all the wise words from Janelle Howell. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, Janelle. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm so glad to be here with you. Thank you. I have really enjoyed watching you online. So when Lisa connected us, I was like, woohoo! Yay, I got a chance to pick your brain. I'm so excited. Yeah, and I'm, I'm excited to talk too because I know our interests definitely overlap when it comes to women's health and vaginal health. So I know this will be a great combo. Yeah. When I looked through many of your posts, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. We talked about the pelvic floor. (laughs) That's one of my favorite things. If I can ever have a conversation with people about the pelvic floor, I'm all about. In fact, I was telling the students in class today about this recording and they're like, Deb, how many podcasts about the pelvic floor do you have? I'm like, well, I don't think you can ever have too many. So (laughs) hundreds, hundreds, hundreds. It's one of my favorite things. So before we dive into kind of like a myth busting about the pelvic floor. I want to hear a little bit about you and how you decided to focus on women's health and become a pelvic floor PT. Sure. Well, you know, when I went to physical therapy school, I had a very short, like miniaturized class on the pelvic floor and it caught my interest, Mm. but I wasn't able to really go straight into that right out of school. So I just did the basic orthopedic physical therapy. Um, I eventually got into traveling physical therapy, which I love because I got to get my feet wet into a little bit of everything. And then one time I got an opportunity to do it in women's health. And that contract was amazing. I absolutely fell in love. And I kept renewing what was supposed to be only a three-month contract. And so I ended up staying at a clinic for about a year treating urinary incontinence, urinary frequency, all of that. So that was like the, I guess, the intro or me tasting what it was to treat in women's health physical therapy. Um, And then so I went ahead and specialized and and got board certified in this this area of physical therapy. And here I am. I, I haven't looked back since. 
Oh, I love hearing that because clearly, you know, something struck you and I love that you went with what was in your heart and you just kept going in that direction. So let's jump into some of these misunderstandings about the pelvic floor and about birth and about cesarean birth. So one thing that caught my eye, because I love going through people's uh, Instagrams and I know I hate always going back to social media, but I feel like it can get a sense of who people are. There is something that you posted that immediately I'm like, I want to talk about this because I've heard people say, oh, I'm going to have a cesarean to save my vagina. And I've had students say that. And I'm like, I'm going to burst your bubble a little bit. Um, So can you start with the idea of saving your vagina by opting for a cesarean birth? Just talking about the relationship to the pelvic floor and the core and how that is affected by a cesarean birth. Absolutely. So this is a great topic, Debbie. Or Deb, I am so sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you a whole new nickname today. <laughs> it's okay. Um, but, you know, the thing about C-section is some people think that if they have a C-section over a vaginal delivery, that they will be somehow shielding their vagina from any sort of pelvic floor dysfunction, maybe prolapse or maybe just widening of the vagina or just different things that can happen. And while it's true, you have a decreased chance of some of those things happening. There are so many women and so many vagina owners that still get prolapse, still get pelvic floor rupturing, still get all of these different things that typically come from a vaginal delivery, but have never given birth. So if you're pregnant for nine months, that's nine months of pressure and strain on that pelvic floor. And so there's no easy way to get a human out. There's no easy way. So that's what I like people to understand. You're also cutting through the abdominal wall, which is a big part of your core. You're cutting through the organs. So there's going to be a significant amount of healing that will need to take place for that region as well. And so there's no like, you know, there's no shortcut to it's labor. It's no free ticket. Exactly. Exactly. And so everyone needs to decide on what's good for them. You know, don't feel judged or shamed if you have to do a C-section or if you do a vaginal delivery. Do what's best for you. But I think it's deceiving for uh, women and anyone to believe that a C-section will automatically prevent them from having some of the things or some of the dysfunctional patterns that are typically related to vaginal delivery. It can still happen regardless. Yeah. I remember, so I check in with postnatal students about as we go through before class, what's the state of your abs, what's the state of your pelvic floor. And I've had so many be like, oh, my pelvic floor is fine. I had a cesarean. And then I'm like, well, let's still talk about that. So I think there's a misconception that you can actually, please correct me if I'm wrong, because I am not a PT, but because of the fascia healing that they may actually be more, tend to more tightness in the pelvic floor post, post cesarean. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So there's going to be a lot of scar tissue forming in the lower abdominal wall, which is the lower belly. And the belly works so closely with your pelvic floor. So we can't even say, oh, my pelvic floor is fine because I had a C-section because the pelvic floor is part of a system and that system includes the abs. So the abs will affect the pelvic floor. Yes. So honestly, anyone that's had a baby, I can almost guarantee there's some level of pelvic floor dysfunction directly after. It may not be causing symptoms. It may not be significant, but like you said, there's no free ticket. 
to labor and delivery. And so the abs, the back, the diaphragm, all of that is working with the pelvic floor. So then if you traumatize one of those areas, then it can actually impact the pelvic floor regardless of if you have symptoms or not. So let's actually, I want to hear more about that. So I feel like it's often told like, oh, this is so, this is normal. You're having back pain. You're having incontinence. It's normal. What are things that people might not even realize is related? Like you just said, they may not have incontinence as a, as a symptom that they're having pelvic floor dysfunction, but what, how might that show up for someone that they're not realizing it's related to birth and what can they do about it? So, I mean, incontinence, I think that's one of the, uh, the louder symptoms that people think about mm-hmm. when we consider pelvic floor dysfunction, but that is just probably the manifestation of pelvic floor dysfunction. It's like, I'm, I'm now showing you what I'm really doing. Right. And when you start leaking, it's, it's that, that story has been starting to uh, form over time. Mm -hmm. And now there's the leakage. So the leakage doesn't just all of a sudden pop up. Um, and so you can experience, um, discomfort. You can experience pain with or after sex. You can experience pelvic pressure. That's another thing that's really common after, uh, delivery is like this feeling of heaviness, this feeling of pressure. If those things continue, pain with sitting continue, these are all different things that may clue you in um, into some pelvic floor dysfunction. And I always say the number one thing to do is just to go see a pelvic floor physical therapist at least for an assessment. Mm. That's like saying if someone is having chest pain, what should you do? Oh, the first thing you should do is go to the hospital. <laughs> it just, just clear it. It may not be a heart attack, but you do need to at least make sure that that is not what it is. And so I think a lot of people want to do something at home or they want the quick way out. But everyone who delivers deserves a pelvic floor physical therapy assessment. I completely agree, and I'll try not to go too much on a tangent, but it's such a shame it's not part of our, our health care the way it is in other places. Like I know in France, it is part of their postpartum healing that they that's just included in their health care. It's just so unfortunate that right. it is not. Um, but I love what you said, like the leakage is just like the final leaf dropping of the tree of like, help me, help me. Like if we're getting, and I think it's so easy just like, Oh, I had a baby. Of course my pelvic floor feels kind of heavy or it hurts standing up. And we have all those signs that perhaps people are not seeing or they're just dismissing. And then once they're peeing themselves, then it's like, okay. big red Or are even like the frequent urination. You know, typically, again, we'll wait until we're already, you know, peeing our pants. But I hear a lot of people saying, like, they have to frequently go pee. Yeah. And so sometimes it starts off with that frequency, but then eventually it turns into, well, if you don't get there within that 30 minutes or within that hour, now you're having a little bit of leakage. So I think we have to... um unlearn the myth that pelvic floor dysfunction is only when you have leakage or only when you have a baby or only when you get older. It can happen to anyone at any age. So let's dive a little, I'm so diverting from, we're still going to pull myself back, but into our conversation, but I'm so curious. So what are the things might be causing this pelvic floor 
dysfunction. So if someone's listened to this and they're trying to conceive, they haven't even had a baby yet, they're like, but I'm having some leakage too. What should they maybe examine about their body or life that can indicate where that dysfunction is coming from? I don't know if that's too broad of a question. No, that's a good question. I think, you know, especially for this audience is being pregnant and delivering a human. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, that right there contributes and I think just exposes maybe some pelvic floor dysfunction that may have already been there, but low level. Mm -hmm. And then you carry a a, a growing fetus for nine months and then you push, 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 you, you stretch the vaginal canal, maybe you tear, maybe you need forceps. I mean, there's a lot of trauma going on, bleeding, all of that. And so now the pelvic floor is exposed mm-hmm. um, and the, not just the pelvic floor, but the abdominal wall, the back, the joints, the ligaments, everything is a little bit more vulnerable after that uh, Olympic <laughs> experience. That's what I really believe that it is. But yeah. even before our posture, mm-hmm. um, the way that we hold ourselves, the way that we lift, even the way that we walk, Yes. Yes. Different things like that, or just being sedentary, sitting for a really long time, really kind of changes the way the pelvis interacts with the with the with the back and the way your butt is positioned. All of these many things uh, can impact even trauma, stress. Whoa, that's a huge one. Uh, we might need an episode just for that. <laughs> I actually just did that. I did an episode about why, uh, can you stress out your vagina? <laughs> like how stress affects your pelvic floor and it's not good. I mean, stress in general, but yes, yes, I'm very much on board right. with that. Well, the anxiety, the stress, you know, we're overworked, we're typically underappreciated, we're hyperstimulated, all these technological devices. I mean, there's so much going on. That the body is stressed, even if we don't even really uh, perceive it. And so that stress gets sent to the pelvic floor many times, that tension there. And so that can be something that's kind of already there. There's constipation and lack of a nutritious diet that typically leads to lots of straining. So pelvic floor was likely already weak from all the pushing when you poop. Mm -hmm. uh, If we're not getting enough of the nutrients and water or drinking enough water, and then we go out and have a baby. Oh, that pelvic floor is like, whoa, whoa, buddy. And now we're starting to see uh, the signs or the symptoms of pelvic floor dysfunction. So I so, love, I love what you're saying. Ahead. Yeah. So there's so much that we can do before we get to that tipping point. Oh, absolutely. And I think one of my, one of my passions is just creating more awareness to what it means to try to conceive, you know, the TTC, I'm trying to get pregnant, trying to conceive. As soon as you know that you want to be a parent, I think that should be the point where you're like, let me start preparing my body now. Yes. Let me start. I mean, I am going to form a human within my pelvis. My, my uterus is going to stretch so much more than it typically is. I mean, so much is going to happen. And unfortunately, we typically get like hyper healthy while we're pregnant. No drinking, no this. All of a sudden, we're, we're really into our health. But I think it would empower us a bit more to start even before we get pregnant. Because the pregnancy itself is also a big stressor on the body while labor and delivery gets most of the attention. Pregnancy itself um, changes, changes the body and not, yeah. not all bad. It just, it's a change. It's the growth that's, that's taking place. 
Yeah. I mean, cause I remember when I was starting, when we were starting to plan, I was being crazy healthy. I was like, all right, I started my prenatal vitamins. I think I was taking fish oil. I was reading this book, like taking charge of your fertility. But I will admit that did I consider my pelvic floor? Well, for the second one, absolutely. Because the first one was such a train wreck, but for, this, for the first child, no, I didn't. And I definitely think everything was so tight, which lead, which led to a more challenging labor. So I'm really appreciative that you're highlighting that should be part of the prep, really being mindful of your body and get, if you can seeing a pelvic floor PT and getting things balanced so that baby yeah. can be, so, so it's not as much of an arduous birth, which also then, as we talked about, can be traumatic to the body. All right. I want to switch gears. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Is it okay if I say one more thing about Please that? Please do. Yes, yes, yes. I would go as far as to say, even before someone starts trying to get pregnant, they should go get a pelvic floor or a pelvic assessment, because it's not just the pelvic floor. Right. It's the pelvis, it's the abdominals, uh, uh, it's the spine. They should get an assessment because research has actually shown us that those of us who have the cervical insufficiency, that's been associated with pelvic floor weakness, mm. pelvic floor dysfunction. So those preterm births, I mean, it's unfortunate that many of us may lose the baby before or, you know, deliver before it's time. And while that's not the only cause, I don't want that to, to get out. That's not the only cause. And sometimes there are unknown causes of preterm birth, mis miscarriage, all of that. But pelvic floor dysfunction is actually associated with things like cervical insufficiency. So I, I say, even before you get pregnant, go get a pelvic floor physical therapy uh, assessment and see what's going on with your body. Oh, yay. Yay. I hadn't thought of that. I hadn't known that. I love learning something new. So thank you. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And we come back. I want to shift to another myth. And I call it the big six-week lie. <laughs> so, okay. We'll, we'll take a Sounds quick good. break. I'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So we are back. Oh, this one's another one that irks me that someone comes out from their six week checkup and they're like, okay, we're good to go. And it's as if like, we just turned a switch on or like, great. The, yesterday you weren't good. And today you're good. Like there is still a lot that happens after that six weeks, your body still went through so much. So I'd love to know your thoughts and can you offer a bigger picture of the healing process for most people? And as first, I'm going to say 12 weeks, if not more, because at six weeks, it's not like something suddenly just switches and we're back to normal. Yeah. I, you know, I agree. I think it's also a lie. I mean, I do think that six weeks is, is likely the typical time that it takes for the uterus to return to its normal size, right? And so I think that's part of where we got that six weeks from. But beyond that, there's so much more healing that's taking place. If we just think about the time frame of pregnancy, 
someone is pregnant for nine months Mm -hmm. for nine months. And then they can be pushing, they can be in, in labor for several hours, sometimes up to a day or even more. And then we expect for them to be back to normal at six weeks. It's really harmful because within the first few months, I would say three to four months, the body is actually very vulnerable, right? The pelvic organs are sitting lower in the pelvis. So that's actually a time where a lot of those prolapses form. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we go out and maybe we start running because, yeah, we made it to six weeks and, and your body is just like, what's going, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you <laughs> doing? The core is like, I am not ready for this. <laughs> right. I'm not ready. So you can be pain free. You can feel good. But all that high impact, a lot of that high intensity exercise, it's a lot to put the body through when just six weeks ago you had a very traumatic experience. So you're actually doing more for your for your pelvis, your core and your pelvic floor by waiting. I mean, there's no rush. You're gonna be postpartum for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. You know, why is there such a rush to snap back, quote unquote, or you know, get your pre-pregnancy body back when you're gonna be postpartum forever? And so I think it's important to Give your body time to heal that rest. It's so important as your organs, your tissues, things are still healing way beyond the six week mark. Um, and I wish that could become like a new norm. Like at six weeks, it's still okay to rest. Yeah. And I, I'm going to, I'm the cautionary tale that I did not do a great job. <laughs> it's so crazy because I've been teaching this for over, like I've been teaching pre and postnatal for over 10 years when I had my first child. And yet I was my worst student that I knew I should rest and I just was not in a great state. And so I got, I started exercising too early and I had pelvic organ prolapse. And then I had, and I also pushed my baby out for five hours. So my pelvic floor was a hot mess anyway. So then I had to work with a PT and it took me longer to re to recover and heal than if I had just probably waited another couple weeks. So when mm-hmm. you jump back too soon, the average person, or at least myself, the healing process and getting back to what I really want to do was actually prolonged. So that's a cautionary tale for listeners. Exactly. Yeah. When, when your body is vulnerable, it doesn't mean you can't exercise, you know, I'm not encouraging. Oh, no, no. I mean, I just yeah. did too much. Right. You're not going to want to lay in bed all day. But maybe not the running, the heavy lifting, maybe not all of that. Just yes. kind of low-level intensity exercise that really doesn't cause a lot of pressure or impact. It's better because you can prevent pelvic floor dysfunction just by practicing a little patience. Yes, and helping your nervous system too. <laughs> oh, yes. So Another part. Yeah, so I'd love to talk about, I guess these are, this is kind of a, multiple things. So like gadgets and gizmos. So one of my irritations is I feel like people are always like kegels, engage, squeeze. There's kegel gadgets and apps and all sorts of, I think things that over overdo. What are your thoughts on that kind of, I guess it's also like PR stuff and marketing that people are getting these Kegel apps and Kegel gadgets and they may not need the toning. They may need the ability to relax their pelvic floor. Yeah. Yeah. You know, ultimately everyone is just jumping on the bandwagon of Kegels will fix things or Kegels can help. And in some cases they can't, 
So for sure, for some people who have tried these gadgets, they probably notice positive changes. The harm becomes when someone has not gotten a pelvic floor muscle assessment, they have no idea what's causing their symptoms. And then they just start squeezing with these, with these sensors, these gadgets, and that can be making their issue worse. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing is that it really only engages that one part of the system. Again, the pelvic floor is a part of a system called the core. And the core is diaphragm, abs, pelvic floor, and your back muscles, right? The deep layer of the back muscles, the deep layer of the abdominals. And you just focus on that one group. It, it does nothing for what could be causing the pelvic floor to act out. Mm-hmm. So sometimes we're... we're where the problem is doesn't necessarily mean where the problem came from, yeah. right? If, if the child is acting out, you don't just look at the child. You look at the environment of the child. You look at the parents, the home, all of these different things. And so I think the pelvic floor is the child. And we too often look only at the child uh, instead of the environment. And so that's how these gadgets and these sensors can be harmful, But again, sometimes that could be helpful. Maybe you're that person that really does just need to activate the pelvic floor more. For you, maybe it will help. But on its own, only kegling and only squeezing, uh, I think that is insufficient for really training the body as a whole. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, that for some, they, you know, that is the area that does need toning. But I think sometimes people start to leak and they're like, oh, I better Kegel it up. And we're like, wait, there's other things that can be there. But I love your analogy that that's the child. You need to look at everything else. I often think of the pelvic floor as the mother and that it's taking up the slack that the other muscles aren't doing. And it's like, okay, glutes. All right, posterior chain, you're not doing your job. So I guess I better do it. All right. And it makes me think. As a mother, I'm like, all right, no one else is doing it, so I better go clean up the socks off the floor. Like, you know, absolutely, (laughs) I would totally agree with you there. And it's like that pelvic floor is not going to relieve that anxiety, that tension, until it starts getting help from the hips, from the abs, from the diaphragm, even, even from the mind and the emotions, right? So, I, oh, I love that, that in that sense, yeah, the pelvic floor just kind of compensates and does what other no else areas is doing. of the body are not doing. Exactly. Exactly. All right, so let's keep going into some of the other kind of, some of the other gadgets and stuff. What do you think of the Epino? Do you know that one? It stretches the pelvic floor in preparation for birth. Say, say that one more it's time. The, the name of it. Have you heard of it? The Epino? It's supposed to stretch the pelvic floor. Um, so that you don't have an episiotomy. You know what? I haven't heard of that one, but I will say there's at, at this point, there's so many gadgets and products out there. I'll never be able to um, get into every single one of them. <laughs> okay. I mean, maybe that is helpful. Again, I just think it's a hit or miss. I think the harm is when we think it's, it's a cure-all for everyone's pelvic floor. Right. And you haven't already seen someone, so you don't know if that's what you need. Because if you're getting passively stretched by the whatever it's called, but you don't know how to actually relax your pelvic floor, that's what you really need. It is being able to open your pelvic floor voluntarily while you might be pushing, really using your breath and the position that you're in, all of that. So... I don't know if I would encourage everyone to just go out and stretch their pelvic floor 
because we do need to have some voluntary control of what it means mm-hmm. to release the pelvic floor. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was helpful. So, yeah, that, that's a hard one. And maybe I need to go research that one. Yeah, where you find out. All right, so I have a few more vaginal health myths. So I'm going to okay. throw some stuff at you, and you can tell me what you want or I don't feel like chatting about. So yawny eggs, vaginal steaming, waist trainers, essential oils. Actually, when I posted on Instagram about um, what I should ask you, questions I asked, someone very much said they want to talk about essential oils to change their vaginal smell. Um one of my least favorite yoga cues is navel to spine, how that just creates compression downwards. So feel free to take any or all of those and tell me your thoughts. Wow. Wow. Um, let's start with waist trainers. Okay. I absolutely hate them. Hate them. Yeah. Um, which is different from a pregnancy support belt, different from an SI belt. Those are to provide stability for the joints not necessarily restriction to the abdominal muscles. So there's a difference. The waist trainer is that thing that just sucks you in so you can get this this hourglass figure and so it can uh, supposedly shrink your 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 waist so you look smaller. That does a lot of damage, really. It's it's putting more pressure on your pelvic floor. It's not allowing you to breathe correctly, which is actually one of the causes of pelvic floor dysfunction is diaphragm issues. Um, and it restricts your abdominal muscles. So then they're not going to be able to contract as well when they're sucked in like that. Yeah. So that can lead to pelvic floor dysfunction if that's worn on a regular basis. So that's number one. I don't like waist trainers at all. Um, essential oils, I am a fan of, but not on the vulva. I love essential oils. I have them all throughout my apartment, you know, for um, diffusing them with different oils. Like I'll put some essential oil in, let's say some coconut oil. Mm. And then I'll rub that on my lower abdominal region when I'm having some level of pain. But to put it directly on the vulva is I think unnecessary because number one, those tissues are extremely sensitive. Um, The skin is so much thinner than the rest of the skin on the body. And it can disrupt the delicate balance of bacteria down there, and it can cause burning. I mean, if it's burning, that that should be a sign that you're likely irritating something. So I, I try to be honest and say, hey, I know it's natural, but that's a marketing term, all natural. Mm-hmm. If, we use, if you use something natural for an unnatural purpose, to me, it then becomes unnatural. So um, I would say no to essential oils directly on the vulva. Okay. Um, what else was the other one? Yoni eggs and vaginal steaming. Yoni eggs. Let's go to yoni eggs. So yoni eggs can be used for different things to try and get someone to quote unquote find those muscles because many of us are disconnected. Yeah. It's like, well, how do I even do a Kegel? How do I relax? How do I, where is the vagina? Like, where am I supposed to be squeezing? So in that case, a lot of people use it for that purpose. Uh, The problem that I find with them is that if you're holding that yoni egg in the vagina, now you're training your pelvic floor in a way that it's not supposed to work. We don't just hold our pelvic floor forever and keep it tight and, and hold it like that all day. Our muscles turn on and they release. They engage and then they let go. They're dynamic. They're moving. They don't just hold tension. So you could actually teach your body a dysfunctional pattern by just having this egg held inside you for 
I don't know, several periods of time. I don't know how long they're held in. The other issue is that they have pores in them. They have like these really small holes. So bacteria can get into the yoni eggs. And then now you're putting that in your vagina. So you could get a pH imbalance or that could lead to an infection. And so I don't really encourage those either. (laughs) Um, And then the steams, I think that one is controversial. The problem that I have with the steams is not so much the steam itself, but the claims that people make about them. And I don't really like to argue with people's experience. Mm-hmm. If you tell me that this has helped you with something, okay, I believe you. But is it necessary for vaginal health? I personally don't think it's necessary. Um, and I do think that many of the claims like cleansing your ovaries, balancing uh, hormones, uh, uh, detoxing the vagina, many of those things are unscientific. They're not proven. And to me, they don't really make sense based on steam. Um, so How for would steam I get to your ovaries? Right. Well, say that one more time. How would steam get to your ovaries? That's one of the issues I have. If you jump in a pool, water many times won't even get in the vagina. Yeah, it's many not like times. a straw. I mean, maybe people when things are a little bit more relaxed. But if you just jump in a pool, a lot of times there's no water that gets in there. Now, explain to me how steam is going to get past the vulva into the vagina, past the cervix, into the uterus, through the fallopian tubes, and then cleanse your ovaries. That doesn't really make sense to me. So, again, it's like if you want to just sting because it feels good, it relaxes you, okay. But to to use that as saying that this will, you know, cure PCOS, this will help you get pregnant, I personally don't see how, how that's possible. But I do see how it can be helpful uh, maybe for various things, but not the claims that are typically used about it. Yeah, I have to admit that is something I don't have a ton of experience with or know a lot about. So I was just really curious about it. Um, right. It's right. never something I've participated in and never really researched, to be honest. So I was really curious. All right. Exactly. So. I know that, and, and tell me if I'm wrong about this. I've looked on some of your social media and I've talked about vaginal foods. Is that correct? Can you talk more about that? Absolutely. I love talking about vagina foods because we typically don't connect nutrition to our vaginal health. But foods, foods are here to support us. I mean, different vitamins, different nutrients, antioxidants, all of these different uh, chemicals and things in our food, they do things when they get inside of the body. I mean, for example, B vitamins. Many of us know that it gives us energy. Uh-huh. Protein, we know that, that can help with wound healing in our muscles. I mean, so if we think about the, the various different needs that our vagina has, lubrication, healing, postpartum, uh, muscle control, Um, infection prevention. There's so many different foods that can help with that. And so I I like to talk about foods because everyone has to eat. So it's like, why not go ahead and eat the foods that can get to work inside of your body specifically for your vagina? Um, So I wrote an e-guide called 50 Foods for Your Vagina, Top 50 Foods for Your Vagina, where I not just tell you what to eat, but why and exactly what it does for your vaginal health. Um, So for example, let's just blueberries. I love blueberries because they are packed with vitamin C. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and we need vitamin C to make collagen. Yeah. So that's really going to help the vaginal wall. That can help things to stay strong and to stay um, firm and to prevent that premature aging of the vulva and the tissues down there. Also packed with a lot of antioxidants, which we need to help us prevent infections and to protect our, our ovaries and our reproductive system, especially if we're trying to get pregnant. So I go through um, in this e-guide, hey, this is a food that I highly encourage, and here's the research to back it up. Eat this as often as you can. <laughs> so I love to talk about that because I feel like it's something easy that we all can do. Just, hey, go to the grocery store get this and try to eat it a little bit more often. All right. Well, at towards the end of our conversation, I'm going to ask where people can find your work. Let's make sure that we include where they can find that. Cause I want to get that. I was thinking when I, when I heard about this, I'm like, does she mean like yogurt or like, and I figured collagen, but 50 different foods. I love this for vaginal, yeah. for vaginal health. I mean, again, we're all eating, many of the people listening to this have a vagina and I'm sure we want to keep it as healthy as possible. Can you give one more example of food for the vagina? Sure. Let's talk about salmon. Um, I, I'm sorry to the vegans and those who may not eat meat, but I got stuff for y'all too. <laughs> salmon is great with the omega three mm. and we actually need fat to make hormones. And so if we think about as we get older, or even after we have a baby, we need that estrogen present to help with the healing, to help with blood flow, sexual function. All of this really depends on estrogen and, and the other hormones as well. Um, but omega-3 can help our body synthesize more of, of these hormones. Um, and so I, I talk about that, right? High in protein. We need those protein levels, especially when we're trying to heal. You know, so if you're if you're noticing that it seems like healing is, is taking too long, look at the diet. Are you getting enough of those nutrients in your diet? Um, another one that I love is actually tofu. So this is a plant-based form of protein. Um, and tofu is a great source of phytoestrogens. So many times uh, soy has been demonized, but recently it's actually been shown that people who eat soy actually have a lower risk of breast cancer. Mm. So soybeans, that's a plant. I mean, this is a plant, right, coming from nature. And so tofu is great for helping with that estrogen production as well because it can mimic what estrogen does. So it is not the same as the estrogen in our bodies, but it can help with the things we need estrogen for, like the lubrication, maybe like um, dealing with menopausal changes, maybe with... Um, you know, helping with our menstrual cycle. So that's another food. So 50, 50 foods that I talk about and just the different things that it can do for us when it comes to the typical struggles that we have as women and vagina CEOs. Oh, I love that. First of all, I'm going to have salmon for dinner and then I'm going to tell one of Absolutely. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, if you can offer one final tip or piece of advice you'd like to offer for new or expectant parents, we'll be right back. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today 
at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, we are back. So you've given so many great tips, but what is one final tip or piece of advice you want to leave our listeners with? Yes, I want to tell everyone not to undervalue your posture. Yeah. We've been told about the posture ever since we were little. Your mama probably told you to sit up tall. And, you know, hey, mama was right. I think that many times we don't hold our bodies in a loving way. It's like we're holding our bodies almost like we just don't care. We're tired and we're not being mindful about the way that we're positioning ourselves. And so I want to say position your body for success. I mean, there's so many things that take so much effort, but it doesn't take much effort to scoot your butt all the way back. Make sure you're not slouching. Maybe get a little bit of support for that low back and, and try not to fall. Don't let gravity pull you down. Stand up tall, you know, like you're like you're successful as opposed to sitting somewhat in this in this failed position Um, that can actually enable your pelvic floor muscles to do their best work if they're in a position they enjoy. Yeah. You're talking about yoga teacher. I'm all about this. Yeah, exactly. So if you hey, if you take me to a country that I want to be in, I'm going to be happier just because it's a place that I enjoy. And so if you put your muscles in a place that they enjoy, they'll actually treat you a lot better. Yes. And you'll breathe better and your diaphragm will work better. Yes. And it's all works yes. better. Yay. There you go. <laughs> all right. So where can people find your work? Where can they download your vaginal food guide? Tell me all the places people can find you. Absolutely. So if you go to my website, vaginarehabdoctor.com, you will find my vagina food e-guide. You'll find some pre-recorded or some past uh, vagina labs, vag labs that are pretty much pelvic floor exercises for pelvic pain, uh, hypertonicity, just pelvic floor dysfunction. These classes have already happened, but they're recorded. Um, you can find me with more education on Instagram, vagina rehab doctor, and then the same on TikTok as well. Um, if you want to personally contact me, my email is vaginarehabdoctor at gmail.com. And I just have to say your reels are hilarious. I, and, and they're not only are they funny cause you're funny, but they're educational and it's like little tidbits of info just to chew on. And I'm really, really enjoying them. So I'm sure our community will dive over there and take quite the deep dive into everything you offer. Well, this has been so good. I've so enjoyed having this conversation. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me, and I hope that everyone has enjoyed listening to us chat back and forth. (laughs) Um, I appreciate the invitation to be on the podcast with you. Thank you. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening.